Hey there, it's Winston Faircloth. Public speaking, it's a favor for many people, right? Well, how about presenting an unscripted, unrehearsed, 18-minute keynote speech without notes on a topic you just decided upon last night? Now, it's in front of your peers, being videotaped and critiqued in real time. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 61 of the newly renamed For Love of Team podcast. That was me a few months ago at my friend Kent Julian's Speak It Forward boot camp. I began the keynote with a story about my dream business, a service born out of necessity, reaching multi-million dollar status, employing team members across 10 different states, enjoying a reputation for excellent customer service, a growing market share. Sounds like paradise, right? Well, there was a dark side, one I share during this keynote. Preparing this speech gave me another unexpected benefit, an insight about other businesses which ultimately fail to meet their potential. So let's take you to that keynote a few months ago outside of Atlanta. And this is the precise moment that for love of team, both the business and the podcast were born. Close your eyes for a moment. Imagine your future business. One where you are the market leader. People are coming to you for your expertise, your gifting, and everything you can bring to them to help them grow their business. You're now in the multi-million dollar income range. You've had a great growth trajectory, and now, and you have team members in 10 different states who are helping you execute and grow and have the impact that you really seek in your business. You have a great reputation. People are seeking you out for the work that you alone can bring to the marketplace. Sounds heavenly, right? Sounds like exactly why you got into business. But there's a dark side to this story. Your team is in chaos. People are fighting with each other. People are arguing with each other. People are sabotaging each other. And the dream that you've built for 15 years to get you to this place is gone the moment you fire yourself from leading the business that you founded. Open your eyes. That was February 5th, 2015. That was my story. From starting and growing a business that had achieved everything that I'd ever dreamed of. And that morning I walked into a board meeting and I fired myself as the leader and founder of this organization.
And why? Well, because I loved my clients and I loved my idea way more than I loved my team. And I couldn't take it anymore. See, I believe that every business owner can multiply their impact and their income when they surround themselves with people who do work that they love so that the owner can do the work that they love. And I want to help you avoid that same fate that I experienced a few years ago. I wished someone had coached me <laughs> that many years ago, because when I started my first, well, actually my very first business was one where I was six or eight years old in a small little neighborhood in Virginia. And what was going on there was we didn't have anything to keep us entertained. We lived on a little country road. There was few neighbor kids behind us, a horse farm on one side, a cow farm on the other side, and a cornfield in front of us. And to keep us occupied and interested, uh, I needed something to do. I needed some purpose to get me going and excited for life. And so my dad worked for Coca-Cola, and he was able to bring home what was called irregular Coca-Colas, which were, these were the six and a half ounce bottles that weren't quite full or overfilled. So he could buy a case of those for a dollar, 24 bottles. And so that summer I decided to open up a general store for our neighborhood. So I took my dad's Coca-Colas, I put them on ice and I took the old shed behind our house and I opened up our little general store to sell these Coca-Colas to the other kids in our neighborhood. But that wasn't enough. It wasn't enough to bring them in. So then I started rounding up the little kids' books that all the kids in the neighborhood had. And since I was a 60s kids kid, uh, you can imagine what I would call this library. I decided to build a library, and I would charge kids to check out books out of the library. I called it Peace Library. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I got my sister's books, I got my neighbor's books, and I put that in the general store. And I charged my sister a nickel to check out her own book. <laughs> and so I guess I had that entrepreneurial spark from a very young age. But, you know, one of the things about growing up in, you know, growing up with under teams and under leaders, it's, it's a lot like parenting. A lot of leaders just do what they've has happened to them. You know, we're we're as good as the people who are in front of us. And so in, I was really blessed to have some really good leaders, but also was put in a leadership role very early in my career. So I didn't have all the mentorship that other people had. And so um, this is where I have to check the notes. Um, um, you know, I, I had to draw upon other kinds of mentors. So I was really blessed with some mentors who really spoke life into me and gave me lots of, of guidance. But a lot of times I was on my own to kind of figure out how to do things and how to lead people. And I've always been an idea person as, as, uh, as shared with that nine or uh, eight year old experience. So a lot of times I've been on my own to develop my own leadership style. And I'm so enamored with ideas 
and with clients that I'm serving that I forget that the best execution happens with other people. So I wonder how many of you have been in uh, a team environment where you've not had great leadership? <laughs> I think all of us have had that kind of experience where, you know, it's like, who put this person in charge and who told them what to do and how to handle people like me? I think, you know, we have different levels of training and understanding and experience of being leaders. But what's even worse than an ill-equipped leader is an indifferent leader. And that's the person I was back in 2015. It wasn't that I didn't care. It wasn't that I, you know, didn't, I cared about the bottom line. I cared about the growth of the business. I cared about the clients. I would throw, I'd always take the client's side. You know, if somebody called and complained, it's like, yes, we're going to fix that. We're going to get this done and, you know, put the team under the bus. Mm -hmm. So as I started processing this experience, when you fire yourself from a 15 year career, something that you put blood, sweat and tears into and really put a big chunk of your life to, it really was a calling for me. Um, I've had time to kind of reflect about that. What was going on with my leadership style and what could I do? So one of the things I noticed recently, I read scripture and I was looking at a particular scripture one day and I thought, well, how does this apply to leadership? We hear this scripture all the time for weddings in wedding settings, but how would this apply to a leader? Leaders are patient. Leaders are kind. Leaders don't envy. They don't boast. They're not proud. Leaders do not dishonor others. Leaders aren't self-seeking, not easily angered, keeps no record of wrongs. Leaders do not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. Leaders always protect, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. That was not a description of me back then. And I don't think it's a great description of a lot of leaders that we see today. And yet, without engaged members of our team, without people bringing their talents, their unique gifts, what's the chances of us getting to play in our unique gifting? Very low. Yeah. You probably have experienced this in your own business. You got to wear lots of hats, especially when you're starting out. Were all those hats things that you enjoy that come to you with joy and ease? You're probably not the best equipped then to <laughs> deliver those things. Yes, we have to grind. Yes, we have to do things at different stages of our business. So if that is, you know, so what were some of the characteristics of some of the people that were working for me then? I don't want to use their names, but I will use kind of ways I was thinking about it from a bad, from a, from a mindset that wasn't as empowering, not like the standard I just shared. So I had people who were backstabbers, people who were land grabbers, <laughs> people who were, um, let's see, land grabber credit takers, 
process blockers, uh, clock watchers. Now, were they that? Were they really all those labels? No. They came, they wanted to do a great job. And that, anybody who picks up a label like that, in my experience, that's a leadership failure. People, people want to come and do a great job. And so, what would it be like to have a team that you actually loved? A team who was following under the leadership that I just described in these standards. What would that feel like? Well, I also have had some great experiences with teams. So I think about sports when I was in high school. The one thing I loved about how our leaders prepared us for the games was it didn't matter what the other team did. It absolutely did not matter what junk defense they threw at us or what you know, craziness they were going to throw at us. We knew what our role was and we knew what our options were. It made it super simple for a 17-year-old to, to be in their gifting and to be effective in their role. And that's an example of great leadership. I had another experience. I was the I was the sole male living full-time in a freshman women's dorm as a senior. And I, and I got to hire and manage a group of women RAs. And it was a great experiment. And what was wonderful about that team was that each of those young ladies had a very different skill set that they were able to bring to the team. One was a great organizer of parties. Another one was a great listener. Another one was someone who had had a very challenging academic uh, process she was pursuing and could speak. We had these people who could speak into the lives of these young freshman women coming into our dorm. I was really fortunate to be able to have around me that kind of diversity of skills and talents. And that was a great experience. And then the third great experience was the very first professional team that I started managing. At age 24, I was thrown into a role, you know, so a lot of not-for-profits, they kind of throw you into the water. Baptism by fire. That's the kind of leadership training and equipping we do in the not-for-profit space. And so I was given a leadership opportunity to be the first vice president of our organization, nationally the, the youngest vice president in our organization at age 24, leading a $10 million fundraising organization per year. And, uh, and promoted over people who had been there many more years and much more senior than I. People saw potential in me, but I was really, really green. And I got to work with a CEO named Tom Simons. He was a Fortune 50 CEO. And he taught me a very valuable leadership lesson in my very first encounter with him. My, my boss had really prepared us to meet and work with someone with that kind of stature and, and that kind of experience. Um, he was a no-nonsense kind of guy. So we brought a very thick three-ring binder into the meeting. And in that binder, we had uh, the game plan. Because he's not a fundraiser. He's a CEO of a, 
of an insurance company. And so we laid out the game plan and he stood up. He says, gentlemen, when you have a real plan, come back and see me and deposit it into the garbage can. And in that moment, I learned a very valuable leadership lesson. Give the client what they want. We called this, his assistant the next day and say, what the heck happened? He said, he likes, he gets, he makes decisions all the time. He doesn't have time to read a binder. He wants it in one pager. If you can't boil it down to one page, but, but other people like detail. So you don't know. You, just because you have that experience doesn't mean that's the way you have to do everything in leadership. But over that, over that six or seven years in leading that team, what was beautiful about that experience was that my job became easier and easier as the leader. The more I found people who were really gifted at one thing and I got the heck out of their way. And really all I had to focus them on was the why power. What's the purpose? What's the why? And as they discovered that, and as I got out of their way with that, they really moved forward and began to understand that um, they had gifting and I was there to support their gifting. So, you know, there's nothing worse. Well, there's probably some things worse. <laughs> but it's hard to imagine something worse than a leader who's indifferent about their team. Love me or hate me. Give me critical feedback or give me praise. But that indifferent leader. And so my, my plea to you. My invitation to you is to think about that multiplication opportunity that exists in front of you at this stage of your business right now. When's the best time to start planning for your team? A little while ago. What's the next best time? Right now. Building a team, uh, building a business takes a team that has the orientation of a be-rich business versus a get-rich business. And the more that we pour into our team, the more that we recruit, nurture, grow a team that we can love with all of our heart, the more we're going to multiply our impact and the greater the opportunity we have to change the world. And that's why we got in business. That's why we're doing this work. So I'd like to invite you all, if you want to go along with me on this journey, I've written a guide that I call seven lessons of a seven figure CEO. And it's the mistakes that I've made <laughs> and some fortunate lessons that I've learned in growing that business to seven figures, but more importantly, the potential impact you can have as you begin your journey of entrepreneurship. Thank you very much. Are you hitting the wall of complexity in your business? Does the idea of a team feel like a four letter word to you? 
And are you spending more time grinding in the business than doing the work you love? When you're ready to multiply your impact, your income, your margin, and your freedom in business, join hand-selected business owners just like you in an upcoming For Love of Team weekend retreat. Our intimate, immersive, and interactive experience helps you, one, sharpen your focus by doing more of the work you love, two, simplify your business by eliminating, automating, and delegating other tasks, and three, Surround yourself with others doing the work that they love. Our next For Love of Team weekend retreat is coming up in just a few weeks, and we limit registrations for the maximum support and interactions there. To apply, check out the show notes for this episode for a special link to connect directly with me. We'll discuss your situation, I'll provide some coaching, and we can discuss the next right steps to help you build, grow, and keep a team you love. That's the For Love of Team Weekend Retreat, when you're ready to multiply your impact, income, margin, and freedom in business. And remember, loving your team multiplies your results. I'll catch you on the next For Love of Team episode.